broadcasting worldwide on internet radio. Refreshing takes on legal strategies. Straightforward answers to difficult tax questions. Independent ideas on building wealth. The Refresher Wealth Show with Mark Kohler and Matt Sorensen. Previously recorded with Mark as the host of the Mark Kohler Show. Enjoy this fresh take on strategies to better live the American dream. Welcome, everybody, to today's show. My name is Mark Kohler, your host of the Mark Kohler Show. Yes, I came up with the name of the show myself. And thank you to all you new listeners out there today checking out this show. We've got an amazing show planned. Love to be here with you. This is one of my happiest times of the week, talking, saving taxes, building wealth, protecting our assets. I just love it. And uh, you know, I mean, I like. I have been looking forward to this show for probably a week now. That we've got an amazing guest on the show today, and uh, for those that don't, uh, before I introduce him and dive into things, let me explain a little bit of, about the show and how we f- uh, format this. Uh, I'm your host, a, a, a entrepreneur myself, a CPA, attorney, family man, uh, author. Just again, trying to live that dream, just like many of you. And I truly believe entrepreneurship is a huge. Uh, step up in that game. It's, it's critical to have at least some sort of entrepreneurial aspect supplementing your corporate job, your W-2. What are we doing out there in real estate or our lives to create some extra income? We bring some experts on the show every week. We usually have a author or some expert of some sort and a couple tipsters that come on the show at the very beginning to share some experiences they've had with clients on our team in the law firm or accounting firm consulting clients around the country with little uh, experiences they've had. So I'm really excited uh, about today's show because it is it is not going to disappoint you. I have uh, In my first book, Lawyers Are Liars, The Truth About Protecting Our Assets, I had a section on uh, how to, uh, you know, um, avoid some of the scams out there and and some of these um, smoke and mirror strategies of um, setting up an entity in another state and then thinking that solved all your problems. Kind of this one size fits all. Many of you have read the chapter of Lawyers or Liars, and, and those followers of mine, I know I'm a broken record on that issue. However, I quoted someone in the book that I gave a lot of credence to, and his name is J.J. Luna. And about and back then, when I wrote the book, he, he was in his first edition of How to Be Invisible. That's the title of J.J.'s book, How to Be Invisible. And the, the reality, what I loved about J.J.'s book, is the reality and the truth of trying to go off the grid, of trying to be invisible. You want to do it, you can do it, but here's how you really do it. And so it's a whole other level than the scam artists out there trying to set up your entity in Nevada or Wyoming. That's a different level. Well, we have John Clark, the attorney for J.J. Luna, who's worked with him for 20-plus years, joining us on the, uh, on the show at the bottom of the hour, who's going to be telling us those, that reality, those tricks and strategies, and letting us know, is it possible? So really, really excited about today's show. As many of you know, I, I constantly am talking about asset protection and avoiding the scams and doing what actually works. And if you want to get serious, that's what we're going to talk about. Now, until then, I want to hit a few important points uh, about the um, uh, the topics this week that were in the newsletter and on the blog. Uh, we've got a couple, I think, fantastic articles, one by Matt Sorensen, uh, titled, Are You Considering Moving Yourself or Your Money Outside of the U.S.? And what are some of the issues of putting money offshore? We, this started to become more of a topic of discussion when our presidential candidate, Mitt Romney, disclosed that he had money offshore. And everybody thought, hold it, is he dodging taxes? No, he's not dodging taxes. The IRS wasn't after him. But there's rules to follow. And uh, it was a very interesting revelation. So uh, Matt Sorensen does a fantastic job on a topic of what are the tax issues and asset protection issues of holding money offshore. Maybe something today that we talk about with John Clark as well. Um, I also wrote a nice little piece on the checkbook procedures that could save your business. Now, it's not just saving you taxes. It's also 
having the asset protection of a different checkbook for your business. I literally, just before I started this radio show, just got off the phone of a client of mine out of Illinois uh, in the Chicago, greater Chicago area. He said, Mark, I've got these rental properties and I have an LLC, but all the rent goes in my personal account. Is that okay? I said, no, that's not okay. If you're going to have an LLC, you need to make sure it has a separate checkbook. It needs to collect its own rent, pay its own bills, and create that separation. If we want the asset protection of that LLC, we've got to respect it. We've got to have that separation. So uh, in my article today, if you haven't seen it on the blog, please get there. That's at markjkohler.com. And many of you are already receiving the newsletter every Tuesday morning at Yes midnight. I am up until 1 a.m. every Monday night. My wife abandoned me around 11.30 and said, I'm going to bed. And I said, I'm sorry. It's another, <laughs> it's another Monday night. I've been doing this for six years. Uh, we've coming up, we're coming up on the 400th live radio show and, and newsletter. Uh, I've been doing it weekly. So every Monday night's a little brutal for me. So I was up last night producing this blog. And if you haven't uh, 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 read it yet, please check out that article on checkbook procedures, not only for your sanity, to save taxes, but to give you pr better protection if you're going to set up an entity. Um, also, there's a, uh, a, a little video there on when to set up an S corporation. Some of you have watched that video. I, it still doesn't have a lot of views, so I kept it up there for one more week. I think it may have been buried in some other uh, videos there, and some of you may have avoided it, but it's a great little video on when an S corporation may be right for you. Um, let's see, a couple other deadline issues. Folks, March 17th, coming up. It's the corporate tax returns. Uh, I am a firm believer that filing an extension is in most small business owners' best interest. Don't stress about it. You're going to actually reduce your chances of an audit, buy yourself more, more time to get your tax return prepared. So here, and some of you may go, and Mark, okay, who's, what's due? What's due? There's a, there's a deadline. <laughs> and Mark, what are you talking about? So uh, let me throw this out. March 15th, or, and I should say because of the weekend, it's March 17th, the, uh, the tax returns are due for S corporations and C corporations. So if you have a corporation, just file an extension. Uh, we can help you out with that. It's Form 7004. We'll get you in the system, get things dialed in, but file an extension. Buy yourself time. Now, it gives you six months till September 15th, and you're good to go uh, until then, and uh, no problems. If you have an LLC with more than one member, a dual member LLC, the deadline is not until April 15th. So you've got another month and a half, so take a chill pill, you're going to be all right. So uh, you're, you'll be fine. Um, one other little deadline, and I'm so excited about this. I know that some of you have been uh, uh, waiting for months, if not a year or more, and I'm almost emotional about this. It took so much work, but my QuickBooks Basics video series just launched this weekend. Uh, as I've said, a number of clients have got online and purchased it already. Some of you listening have maybe done so and started to watch the videos. 18 videos in a, in a professional studio with screenshots of my computer, with me and acting dorky and coming up with spoofs to keep it real. <laughs> and I, I don't want this to be a reflection of my, my professionalism and skill set. I just tried, if you're going to watch a video on bookkeeping, right, you're ready to shoot yourself in the head already. So I made this fun, but, and I'm going to add more videos. If you, once you have it, you're, any new videos that come, like I want to do one on neat receipts and, and special apps on your phone to coordinate with QuickBooks, that will all be included as I shoot more videos. But the QuickBooks videos training series is launched for clients and followers of mine, for the next two weeks, it's 200 bucks. So until March 15th. If you haven't picked it up, you can watch it online anywhere. You have an Internet connection. It's a lot of fun. The links are right there on the newsletter or go to uh, the websites. You'll get to it. So check it out. It's a lot of fun. If you're not completely blown away, just text us, email us back. Full refund. No problem. Check it out. I think you're going to love it. Make your kids watch it. If they're bad on the weekends, make them watch Mark Kohler's QuickBooks videos. They'll love it. It'll be good for them. Okay. Well, folks, uh, get, there's more in the newsletter. Go check it out every week. Just want to take a few minutes to, to highlight that. Now, let's go over to some of our tipsters here. And um, we've got Jaron Bergeson. He, he beat, uh, beat the others onto the line first, so I give priority there. And Jerem's just, I know, swamped. We've got Liddell Era, I think, is going to be able to join us here in a moment, too. I'm so excited. But we've got Jaron Bergeson, attorney licensed in, gosh, two or three states, a huge uh, advocate for our clients. 
runs our Utah office. Uh, we get to hear from him once in a while. Jeremy, are you there? I am. Great to be here, Mark. Oh, I'm glad you're here. Sorry, I was talking a mile a minute there. It's good to have some dialogue. So Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, well, it's good to have you. Hey, now, Jeremy, I know you probably saw the Facebook post, and I thought this would be a good time to uh, at least come clean on this. Some of you may have seen the posting in my social network that uh, Sunday night I took my dogs for a walk. I know Liddell's going to laugh about this too. I took my my wife has these two dogs, the bane of my existence. Uh, I think they cost me more than my kids' college tuition last year. Anyway, these two stupid dogs run out of the house and run start chasing a skunk. Right, you know, just in our little oh, neighborhood, man. there's a skunk, and I'm running down the sidewalk at midnight. No, and this skunk is just like. Poosh, you know, just spraying my dogs. I mean, they're hit. They're hammered. Oh, man. And I'm like, no, you stupid dogs. And I chase them back into the backyard. And I'm, I had to grab uh, the dogs that it, uh, on their collar at one point. I get them back into the um, uh, backyard. Now, this is where the story diverges between my story and my wife's at this point, Jerem. I know you've <laughs> seen the Facebook post. Yeah. She says... <laughs> I then decided to walk through the house with all these the skunk smell all over my clothes and uh, my shoes and apparently, quote-unquote, stunk up the entire house. Now, that's her side of the story. I want to verify that I stripped down naked and put my clothes in a garbage bag and then strolled around the house as I tried to inform her that her stupid dogs got sprayed by a skunk. Now, it was late. I'm not sure whose story's right, but I, that's all I remember. I, I'm not sure which would be more offensive, actually, the smell or, or you walking around naked. Yeah, the neighbors probably didn't appreciate it as I'm running around buck naked chasing them through the yard. Stupid dogs. But anyway. That's funny. So uh, let me just say the staff did not appreciate my smell Monday morning. I took about five showers, but I'm I'm okay now. I just want you to know. So if you come in for an appointment today, folks, you won't smell a thing. It's clean. Okay, well, I'm screwing around here too much. This is this is a family show. It's fun as well as we're talking strategy. So, Jerem, let's throw down. Let's give some people some meat here. What do you got? Well, I had an interesting situation come up in the last couple of weeks. I actually had a, a new client um, call in and set up an appointment, and we were speaking, and, and he told me the story that he had fallen on – difficult financial times uh, within the last couple of years um, and wasn't able to make payments on his house. Um, And so he didn't make payments, stopped paying insurance premiums on the house, all kinds of things, because he just didn't have the money to do so. so. He got foreclosed on. um, A foreclosure sale went through, but he was still living in the house the foreclosure sale was over. So there had been a foreclosure sale, but he hadn't yet been, he and his family hadn't yet been evicted from the house. So they were still living in the house um, post foreclosure sale. They so the bank decided, owned it at this point. No, no investor bought it. The bank bought no, it probably no, on the. Exactly. You're right. Exactly. Bank took it back at the foreclosure sale. Um, okay. So, so no, no investor bought it. And they're just waiting basically for the bank to, to evict them. Um, but in the meantime, they figured living on this house, in this house for free. Um, okay. They decided to sell some of the stuff they had on, on Craigslist. One of the things they sold was a, a bedroom set. Sold the, the bedroom set on, on Craigslist. Um, the guy who's going to buy it comes over, picks it up, and he's moving the pieces of the bedroom set from where it was in the bedroom in the, this house to his car. Well, it was winter time. The the guy who bought the the bed on on Craigslist slips and falls, slips on some ice that's on their property on the sidewalk, or actually on the path leading up to their house, and falls, and is is injured. He's not injured. They didn't think that badly, um, but uh, they kind of helped him out and moved the rest of the stuff for him, and they thought all was well. Well, six months later, they get. Well, hold it. Up. Now I've got to say this. This story yeah. is good. I mean, you've yeah. got me. Okay, this is cool. Okay, then six months later. Okay. Wow. Six months later, they get a phone call from an attorney. Uh, not a phone call, excuse me, a letter from an attorney saying, um, my client uh, purchased furniture from you on such and such a date. He slipped and fell, and he has had injuries and, and medical bills adding up to 
you know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. Can't remember exactly how much, but um, and and unless you you we come to some sort of agreement on how to pay for those or how you're going to help him pay for those, he's going to be suing you. Um, that's when that's when I got a phone call. Um, the client called me and and said, "Well, wait. Now I didn't own the property at this point. The bank did." So I don't have any liability, right, under-premises liability, because I'm not the property owner. Well, that's not, unfortunately for the client, entirely true. People who possess uh, properties, tenants, and and other people who just possess a property can have premises liability in certain situations, um, depending on whether the, the dangerous condition was caused by their own negligence. Um, so now it looks like we're going to have to – let me back up. The bank does have – did have property owner's insurance on the property at that time. And so the, the the bank's insurance is probably going to pay the amount. They'll get it negotiated and pay the amount of this claim. What could happen is that well, the bank – Well, let me interject here too. This, this is interesting yeah. too. So the, someone at the bank was doing their job because there, we've seen this time and time again where a bank forecloses – and they don't rush out and buy insurance, and then right. they have even greater exposure if something right. happens with anybody in or on the property. So the bank forecloses, gets this home, they still have some squatters in the house, they buy insurance, and then now they're paying out for a liability of someone coming to buy a bed off Craigslist on the property. This yep. is just unbelievable and very interesting. Yeah, so the bottom line is I, I think the insurance is going to pay. But the client may, the bank may be able to come back after the client and say some of this liability is yours, um, and we want you to pay some of it. Now, whether or not they're going to do that is a different story. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to tell that story to illustrate a that premises liability is a real thing and that it exists not just for property owners but for occupiers of property. And the other thing is I know we have lots of people listening to this radio show that own rental properties uh in other locations and I just wanted to let you know you know maybe maybe in the town where they live or maybe states you know all across the country um that you could be in a similar situation in that maybe you've got a property that you're walking away from or you just can't make the payments on and and you're just going to let it be foreclosed on well, as long as you're the owner of that property, um, you're going to have this premises liability hanging out there. So if there is a way to do a short sale or a deed in lieu of foreclosure or something like that, instead of just letting the property sit there and rot and have somebody go on it and get hurt and you be on the hook, um, that's something that I would suggest that people look into with their with their lenders, if, if their lender is willing to do a deed in lieu of foreclosure or a, uh, a short sale or something like that, um, just to get this liability off of your hands. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, this I'm I, I right now, of course, many of you are, some of you may be just fascinated with a story such as this and the exposure that can be created by simply just advertising to sell something on eBay and having someone walk onto your property and get hurt. That's a whole radio show in of itself. Yeah. Uh, but this is this is a great example of again this asset protection issue, which is going to be uh, the theme here. Uh, in depth here in just a, a few more minutes as we get to the our special guest. Um Jeremy, I'm going to have to let you go, but that was a phenomenal little story. Great tip. Um I'm going to be thinking about that throughout the day. I may even bring it up with my wife tonight. So, uh that just very very interesting. Um Jeremy, thank okay, now uh, if you've just joined us, we we've, we've gotten this neat little story from Jeremy Bergeson, our attorney running the uh, Utah office and who comes on the show on a uh, monthly basis to share a little tip. Jeremy, thank you. Very insightful. Thank you, Mark. Wow. All right. Uh, happy trails. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> Thanks. All right, folks. If you need to get all the Jeremy, of course, going through our main website, you'll get over to the law firm in Utah, and you can contact Jeremy for an interesting case uh, solution there. Very interesting. Okay, now we've got one other tipster here, and we're going to then start uh, have our special guest join us in just a moment. Uh, for those that are uh, just joining us, we're, you're here with the Mark Kohler Show, topic about disappearing and uh, being invisible and better asset protection. We've got a special guest joining us shortly. Until then, we have Liddell Ayer, uh, my partner in the accounting forum, uh, K&E CPAs, uh, just uh, a 
pillar of knowledge and so excited to have him here. I didn't think we were going to get him during tax season. Liddell, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. It's good to be here. Um, just <laughs> deadlines pass and it's time to get back on again. Yeah, for those that didn't know, Liddell has a lot of farming clients around the country, and so this last weekend was a huge deadline for you, wasn't it? Yeah, yesterday was a big deadline for me. So, yep, you get through the W-2 deadlines in January and the 1099s and W-2 deadlines in February and a March 1st or 3rd this year deadline for agriculture, and we're moving on to the March 17th deadline for corporations now. So I did have a few minutes to get on. So you, <laughs> well, thanks. I, I had to laugh about your story chasing dogs through the neighborhood. There's some symbolism there, isn't there? Or a little. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't find a new accounting partner while you did that, did you? No, no. I'll just say this briefly, folks. This takes 15 seconds. Is 10 years ago? 10 years ago. It could even be this month. Oh my gosh, Liddell, I can't believe that. 10 years ago, this spring. I was going for a jog late at night, and some guy tore through some bushes chasing a dog and bumped into me at like 11 o'clock at night in the dark, and it was none other than Liddell Ayer, my guest here on the show, giving us a tip, and I said, who are you? And he says, Liddell, and I said, hey, I know you. You're the CFO over here, and he goes, I know you, and we sat down on the curb, and three hours later, we we had decided to consider a partnership together, and that's how... Caney began with a dog chase in the middle of the night. <laughs> and it was a little quick Jack Russell Terrier, too, that was very hard to catch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glad there was no skunk involved that night. Okay, yeah. so Liddell, you got a tip for us. What's going on? What do you got? Well, what I wanted to do, Mark, is kind of jump away a little bit from the normal, typical income tax and talk a little bit about estate tax. Um, okay. Yeah, it still is a tax, but with my mom passing over the last month, um, I just it's been a lot on my mind of people doing their estate planning, getting their estate plans done, getting their wills in place, their trusts in place, you know, durable powers of attorneys, those kind of things. Because, you know, living it now, yes, I've helped clients over the years do this kind of stuff, but it brings it more to reality when you're doing your own parents type things and how beneficial it is to have those trusts set up and, you know, the advantages that they can do. Now, you know, people are saying, well, there's, you know, with the new tax law a few years ago, there's the portability ex- exemption and those kind of things. But you know what? You still need those trusts in place. You still need the ability to designate who's going to take care of your minor children. You might think, well, I don't have any assets. I'm not up over the estate tax um, exemption, and I won't have any estate tax. But there's so many things that play into those trusts as far as taking care of minor children or even if you wanted to, you know how to take care of your parents or or if you own real property if you own business interests you know to avoid probate and do all those kind of things so i just went out and wanted to throw out there jump away from the income tax a little bit and just mention getting their estate plans done you know i had a client call me yesterday who he's like now, what's what's the gift tax exemption, or how much can I gift in a year, and how much can I gift in a lifetime? His his lovely wife had just passed away. She was like 81, 82 years old, and she passed away about the same time as my mom's. And he's like, my my estate's getting up close to the $5 million. I need to be gifting this away. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, you got a trust in place, right? And he's like, yes. And I said, well, we're fine then. We want to use your wife's. Five million plus. It's actually 5.34 million for 2014. We actually want to use that. We want to get step up in basis of those assets and be able to, you know, maybe avoid. It can also avoid the the living spouse's creditors putting those assets over into the deceased spouse's trust. And so there's so many benefits. And I'm like, why would you want to gift and gift at the basis when we can use this trust? and transfer things over at fair market value and have that step up in basis and then you move on your your assets could appreciate in time and they're they're all out of your estate now so there's lots of benefits to continuing to do your estate plans and update them and and having your trust in place well i first our our condolences on your mom i it's uh it's hard on uh, anyone when a, a parent um, dies, or a, of course any loved one. And uh, so, uh, 
God bless you, Liddell. And um, but but this is but it is it's interesting when the reality hits. And what, so uh, what you mentioned it there. The uh, let me just say it this way, folks. The exemption is over five million dollars now. So if some of you are thinking, oh, am I going to have a state tax? What Liddell is talking about is first the first five million. There's no estate tax at all. Your family will get a stepped-up basis, and they can sell your assets uh, at no tax to them, no tax impact. But it, when it starts creeping over $5 million, and that includes life insurance, that's where the issue arises. Now, Liddell, you said gifting. Um, what is the gift uh, limit this year? So if someone does want to give money to a family member or a husband, wife, and this and that, what, what are some of those numbers so people have them? Well, they're, they're a little over right around, what is it, I believe 14000 Um per year on that but then you know you got your annual gift exclusion yeah that it's the 14,000 for 2014 so you can give them 14,000 in cash 14,000 in stock whatever that you know whatever that item may be that you're giving away but you can also you know gift up to the estate exemption amount of 5.34 million now but well the, the disadvantage to gifting is the carryover basis. And so if you bought a stock at $100 and it's now worth $1,000 a share, well, if you gift it to them, their, their basis is that $100. If you let it transfer through inheritance, it's now a million, or now it's now $1,000. That stepped-up basis. That stepped-up basis can be huge, especially you know, in appreciating assets or assets that have been held a long time that that have appreciated, um, that step up in basis can be very large. I love it. Well, let me make one last point here, and, and I want to get to our special guest today. He's uh, on the line. Um, the uh, What's interesting is Lee Chen right here in the hall, uh, down the hall from me here in California, he has been um, working through an estate issue as well, where one of the beneficiaries feels that they are getting ripped off, that um, the trustee is distributing more money to the other kids and pilfering the account. And so he's going through a, a very uh, difficult challenge of accounting for this, and when we're now getting the accountants involved to figure out where the money's going. So in summary, I would just add to this, folks, if you have a parent or a loved one pass away, it's so important to get not only maybe a lawyer consultation, but an accounting consultation like Liddell's talking about. Is there a trust involved? What are the assets worth? Where's the money going? Spend a little money and time once you've had a chance to grieve because it will it can save you immensely with a little bit of proactive planning. So, uh, Liddell, great tip. Excellent. Yeah, one, one, one more comment real quick. Make sure make sure you know who the beneficiaries are on life insurance policies, you know, if there's no other names on bank accounts or you got maybe you got brokerage accounts. Make sure you got beneficiaries named that that are the proper beneficiaries that they're supposed to go to the trust or wherever mom and dad or wherever you desire. Make sure you got all those beneficiaries correct cuz that makes a huge difference. You know, maybe when mom and dad set up the life insurance policy, they only had one kid at that time, so they put them as the beneficiary, and now they got six kids. So, very important item. Right, excellent points. Well, Liddell, thank you so much, and folks at K&E CPAs, Liddell Air running the Utah operations. I'm out here in California running the CPA operations here. Liddell, uh, just a again a huge resource to our clients. Liddell, thank you for joining us. Thank. It's good to be here. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Well, folks, um, we're here now at the bottom of the hour. We're excited to have our special guest. And if you've just joined us, let me introduce this topic one more time. When I wrote my book, Lawyers or Liars, one of the big questions I had to address, is it true, is it real that I could, quote, unquote, disappear or hide my assets? And I quoted a man named J.J. Luna, author of the book, How to Be Invisible, in my book, and gave him the credibility and uh, and, and, and really believed in the point that J.J. Luna made that it is possible, but there's a cost. There's, there, it isn't easy, but it can be worth it. Uh, did you hear that in church on Sunday? I don't know. Anyway, but the point is here, when it comes to asset protection, we oftentimes get sold these 
quick fix, set up an entity somewhere, and then all of a sudden we think we have this magical disappearing act occur, and that's not the case. And I've, we're now in the third edition, sorry, we're now looking at the third edition of J.J. Luna's book, and today we have John Clark, a California licensed attorney uh, from University of California, Hastings College, working with J.J. Luna for the last 20 plus years is his personal attorney in helping clients around the country on the topic of asset protection, identity, and privacy. And we, are, we for weeks, in fact, I tried to get J.J. Uh, Luna here for years ago to come on the show. He has a hearing uh, disability, and it's hard for him to do a show, and he was uh, gracious enough to introduce us, introduce, sorry, I'm stumbling over my words here, gracious enough to introduce us to John Clark. So we're excited to have him on the show. Uh, this is a huge honor for us. Um, John, welcome. Hi, thank you, Mark. Uh, well, I, I hope it hasn't been unbearable getting a few little tax and legal tips this last few minutes uh, being on the show with us. I appreciate your time. Uh, what, probably one of the, the key things when people come to me on privacy is, you know, especially if there's business involved, but the, one of the first questions we ask is, do you have a an estate attorney, a business attorney, and a CPA? Because once you dig into a privacy strategy, it starts to sort of reveal uh, gaps in other areas of your life mm-hmm. that are critical to a successful privacy strategy because the last thing you want is your privacy strategy to create islands of assets that can never be recouped by relatives. Oh, oh, excellent point. Uh, that's interesting. So as Liddell wraps up his little point on estate planning, you, you, you're, you make an incredible point that whatever you're trying to do to hide your assets, your family better darn know well they're at um, when, you, when you leave us. Wow. And, and, it, and it is common that, uh, or I should say it's not uncommon, that it's family members who you're trying to hide the assets from, at least to, you know, to, create, to, to prevent infighting or you know, whatever, the, whatever the case may be. I'm sure as an attorney and CPA, you've seen every type of family dynamic. So uh, privacy can be you know, for, to deal with family issues. It can be uh, used to deal with uh, sort of a public image uh, issue, et cetera. So there's a lot of different things, but one thing you got to figure out is how are you going to get those assets out and to the right people uh, at end of life or incapacity, et cetera. Well, and I, uh, and you, that's probably a great comment to let me ask this introductory point. For those that are, think this might be a little um, odd that we're talking about this, uh, you've talked about this regularly that with the rampant identity theft out there, government spying, frivolous lawsuits. Uh, people are really should be more concerned about this. Can you tell us some of the re- – I mean, give us some of the reasons why someone might want to have a privacy strategy. What, what are some of the concerns out there that you see on a daily basis? Well, my first recommendation is to pick up the third edition to J.J. Luna's book because it's entertaining. So you can talk to uh, attorneys with uh, speaking legalese and lots of uh, dry material Anybody wants to go to my website, that's not going to be entertaining. But J.J. <laughs> Luna does a fantastic job of, you know, laying out the risks uh, with stories, personal stories, stories uh, gathered from the news, et cetera. So it's quite a comprehensive view of all of the risks that are out there that you never thought of. And uh, the third edition I read, sitting on the beach in Cape Cod, and enjoyed myself. So, and I, I had been part of this since the first edition, and I still enjoyed reading the third edition. Uh, you know, all those years later. So that's the first step. Well, but overall, well, John, let me just interject. If you're reading yeah. any book on the beach of Cape Cod, it's going to be a good book. So uh, I just want to make oh, that clear. Oh, that's point. true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> they do, they, especially it's a balmy 27 degrees here in Wichita, Kansas, which is where I <laughs> reside. Half my practice is in the aviation business, and the, this is where a lot of the uh, business jets are manufactured and delivered. So uh, although I'm a California uh, attorney and my privacy practice is California, uh, I've got half my life is uh, here in the colder part of the United States. But uh, oh. in, in, just as an overall, uh, some overall thinking on privacy, with identity theft, the key places that you're going to be at risk are going to be mail that you receive. And so if if you do nothing else, it is to separate your name from your home address. And now with the advent of the Internet, the more often your name is attached to your home address, what this really allows someone to do if they have your name in your home address is to 
uh, go through any number of services to get at your credit report because it's going to have, that, you know, with those two pieces of information, I can generally get anybody's social security number. And if somebody's posing as a skip trace private investigator, you know, they can sign up with a service. So separating your name from your home address is, is, is critical. Uh, now, John, yeah, can I ask this quickly here? I, my first reaction is excellent point, but and I would love to do that, but sometimes I, with myself, I'm thinking, first thing that comes to my mind is, oh, next time I move, I'll do that. Is it too hard to unravel that now when I've already put my home address almost everywhere? Is it, is it, it's got to be difficult to extract that from public purview. Right. Is this something and, and to do next the, time you move? Absolutely something that should be done when you're moving and you, uh, and to avoid various little pitfalls, it would be a, a, too much detail to go into here, but one of the things that J.J. Luna talks about is all the different ways when you're moving that you could be giving yourself away. So he really, he really digs into that. Uh, you know, not leaving forwarding addresses, how you set up uh, new addresses for mail, et cetera. Um, so that's that's pretty carefully covered. Um, but if if you cannot move, um, there are some alternate strategies, and they're a little more difficult. But the, the biggest uh, opponent is the data aggregator. So there's five or six large companies that are doing everything they can to vacuum up every piece of data about you. And that means knowing who your friends are, what your hobbies are, where you live, the value of your house, um, what social what media What I bought on Amazon use. last week. I mean, just... <laughs> right, right. So yeah. the, the uh, I mean, it is possible to, it is possible to remove your um, name off of the real estate records. So, for example, in California, which is one of the more difficult places, uh, if if you don't want to pay a real estate transfer tax, you can transfer the house into the name of a trust, um, and you can use a, a third-party trustee. It's one of the services that uh, I do through my practice. Um, but to avoid the transfer tax, there is going to be a statement and a certificate of trust that is recorded saying that you've transferred it into a basically the equivalent of a living trust. And... Um, so that anybody who is digging through the records would find that. Also, if your house has a mortgage on it, um, if you transfer it into an LLC, you probably run afoul of the due on sale clause, so you, your mortgage could technically be called due. Um, you can you can put it into a trust without without doing that. So there's some there's some ways around it. So it just depends okay. on how much uh, you want. You know, how, to what extent are you willing to get your name out of the records and then maybe uh, start to work on uh, stopping the data aggregators from uh, offering your information up for the period of time that your name would still be attached to your old address. Okay, now let me put this in some framework here. For folks, I've read JJ's book. I'm holding it right here in my book. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Now let me throw this out. My understanding, John, and first of all, I think it's important to tell everybody, when we're talking about invisibility and asset protection and identity protection, I, we are not talking about hiding from the IRS. You're still going to file a valid tax return. You're still going to pay taxes on your income, and you're going to have to report your assets somewhere on some tax form at some point. Now, there's a lot of privacy there, too, but first of all, we're not hiding from the IRS. Number two, John, what, what I thought was so interesting is that JJ really says – there's, there's levels of how serious you want to get. Number one, like you just said, hey, if you just need your name off of your – not tied to your home, here's some basics you can do, or here's some basic things. But you can take it to stage two, stage three, until stage four you're at Jack Reacher and you're just cashing your check at a Western Union, and no one knows where you – I mean, you're off the grid. And that's what was amazing to, from my perspective is J.J. says, hey, you want to get serious? Here's what you've got to do to hide. Now, and it's tough. Um, what are your thoughts on this kind of going from stage to stage, maybe doing some basics, but finding that, that level you want to go to? Right. So first I have to tell a little bit of a one of my favorite stories about J.J. Luna. Uh, as you'd mentioned, he said you can't hide from the IRS, and you really can't hide from the FBI. So uh, anytime we're doing work with somebody, if we even get a whiff of illegal activity, we cut all ties uh, 
you know, basically disabled the privacy strategy, anything that we've been involved with. And J.J. Luna also looks at things from a moral, if something offends him morally, it doesn't matter whether it's legal, he's not going to get involved with it, and that goes for all of these groups of services. So we tell people, hey, if the FBI comes to our doorstep, we're not going to protect you. So we're we're here to help legitimate people that want to pay their taxes, abide by the law, and live low-key, avoiding identity theft, etc. But in one case, there was a guy named Brian Patrick Reagan, who back in 1999 was uh, uh, had a top-secret clearance and was uh, gathering data on where spy satellites were. And then he was writing to um, Saddam Hussein, Colonel Gaddafi, to the Communist Party in China, offering to sell these secrets for $13 million. Somewhere along the line, he got the first edition of How to Be Invisible, and I didn't know any of this at the time, but he wrote me a letter. Really? And, okay. Uh, asking for help, setting up offshore bank accounts. But uh, I thought the letter was so strange. At the time, I had no idea. I thought the letter was so strange that I wrote him back and said, I'm sorry I don't help criminals, because the, what he was asking seemed so veiled uh, attempt at money laundering. So I forgot about it. Probably several, a couple of years later, um, I was I had a uh, an apartment in Silicon Valley that did not did not my name wasn't on any lease. It was a cash deal. Uh, it was a place that was close to my office. Traffic in the Bay Area had gotten so bad that uh, I I had an extra apartment. Uh, the FBI showed up at my apartment with a subpoena related to this spy because my name was in the book and uh, they'd found this book in the guy's car. Uh, oh, wow. The I had a, a guest was staying over and he said uh, I don't know he's not he's not here I'm just a visitor uh, you know staying in the apartment. Within 30 minutes they were knocking on my door in Silicon Valley on an apartment which I had just basically no record that I was renting this place. So I I, I thought that you know that goes to show you the types of resources. But when I opened the door the FBI presented me with a subpoena and said Do you know where J J Luna is? We cannot find him. And so I think maybe we've said that people cannot hide from the FBI, but uh, uh, J.J. Luna, they could not figure out where he was. I was his attorney. I said, I'm sorry. Uh, if I, I don't know where he lives, and I don't know where he is. I communicate with him in person in different cities, et cetera. But uh, if I did, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be at liberty to, to tell you. So in the end, they, they simply asked me about this spy who I couldn't remember, but when I did find, I did find that I had kept the letter in a plastic bag with the envelope. So he went to trial. He's in spending uh, life in prison uh, right now. But uh, and I think he's gotten the term the world's dumbest spy. But what we did learn there is that the FBI does have very significant resources for finding people very fast. But if you go to the level that J.J. Luna has, which is no credit cards, no mortgages, no mailing addresses, no bank accounts, uh, nothing then you know at that at that point maybe uh nobody can find you well let's let's talk about that john for just a minute and you started to allude to it just for the entertainment of my guests uh on our show our listeners could you let's talk about the most extreme stage and then let's come back to again some of the basics that i should probably do tomorrow but let's go to the extreme for a minute if i want to be invisible where a creditor can't find me or my assets Go through that list again. You were talking, and I saw this in JJ's book. He says, if you want to disappear, I'll help you. But you've got to do these things. And you started to talk about no banking. What are those, some of those things people have to do? Well, for, first off, I, I don't even think that uh, Mr. Luna recommends people go to his level. His his level is a lifelong pursuit, like a hobby, and he writes on it, and it's part of his business now. So um, as a consultant, uh, international consultant, he consults with people who have a legitimate and dire need for privacy, uh, not from law enforcement, but from, you know, if you're in powerful places in the in the world, uh, there can be nefarious forces after you. So this is, J.J. You know, Luna is at a level that, that is just about impossible unless you're starting off, you're coming out of college, and you're going to say, okay, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going to build a credit profile on myself. But most of us have a credit profile. So let me, I, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd probably kind of like to start at the bottom and work up. 
Oh, okay, okay, sure, sure, yeah, absolutely. Feel free, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Because because this can seem daunting to to most people, but the the first thing is to kind of create a a bucket of items, which maybe your four hundred one k statement, your social security statement, things which must be tied to your legal name. Uh, you really want to move those away from your home address. You want to create a mailing address in your legal name, most commonly a PO box, um, and and just start the process where your credit cards do not point to your home address. Um, because if somebody follows you home and they know your name, and now they can uh, work their way towards your credit report. Um, but uh, that's that's step okay. one. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, step two is starting the process of, of moving your name out of the real estate records and to the extent you can, or moving to a new house and, and starting fresh after you read How to Be Invisible or contacting a, a, an expert. Uh, and that's, and by the way, that would, if I may interject, that's going to be yeah. typically things like using a land trust and a third-party trustee. It doesn't mean you can't own real estate. It just means you, you just don't want that real estate in your own name or a trust with your name on it. Let's start to peel that back. That would just be kind of a basic example, right. correct? Right, right. And, and uh, J.J. Luna, uh, outside of California, uh, he recommends New Mexico LLCs because of their ease of formation and the ability to to keep all the information private. Um but in any case, uh, in California, there's a there's a minimum $800 tax on a resident or uh, using an LLC, no matter what state it's from and no matter what it owns. So California makes that land trust idea, uh, land trust used for privacy. But but nobody's nobody's missing out because uh, I think we can agree that an LLC used for a personal residence doesn't offer any liability protection. Uh, LLC liability limits are for are for businesses, protecting you from a business operation, not protecting you against a slip and fall on your personal property. It may may create a barrier to a lawyer, but it's it's not a it's not a, a, a you know codified legal barrier. They they can get at you through the LLC if it just owns your personal house. So well, whether you use a trust or an LLC, the idea is just to get your name off the uh, out of the real estate records uh, and okay. you know, slowly work your way out. And I like it. and John, and then, I just want to interject. You're you're singing oh yeah, sure. my praises because I I say the same thing. You know, in fact, an LLC for your home could cause problems with the sale of home exemption with the IRS if you have an appreciated home and tax liability. So we got to be careful there. But I love what you're saying. So keep going. This is good. So get stage two is get your name off real estate records to the greatest extent possible. What's next? Right now, if you're not quite ready for that, the thing a thing that people don't realize is how dangerous the the records are that are in the glove box of their car. So most of us have our legal name and our home address and an insurance card sitting in the glove box. And more and more frequently, you can go online and see people posting on blogs, I got my car broken into. What? They didn't take the stuff that was in my car. They just grabbed my registration documents. That's strange. So wow. uh, this is this is happening more and more. And and it may not lead to full-blown identity theft, but if your if your legal name and your address is there, that can lead to your credit report and your social security number, and so that that's a, a great way to go. But what if they just go to the uh, DMV and uh, issue get some new plates issued for their uh, crime vehicle? You know, they're about to commit a crime. Um, what if uh, they steal the plate off your car, use it in a crime? The plate is reported, and uh, you know. A, uh, newspaper people who have uh, contacts inside somehow get your name. So now you're plastered all over the press as a, a suspect in a crime that you had nothing to do with because you you wondered why somebody stole your license plates uh, a few weeks ago. So there's a lot of there's a lot of exposure there, and so we um, apply the same type of trust uh, trust sort of strategy. To the ownership of vehicles, so that you're so that you're you're carrying around paperwork in your car that does not list your name or your home address. It, it's a, it's of no use to anybody. And if somebody did steal your car and commit a crime, steal your plates and commit a crime, steal the documents and try to steal your identity, none of those are going to lead back to your name or your home address. So that, that's that's something to think about as your car. If you're not ready to go and worry about you know the deed to your home. I like it. I like it. Very good. And again, that keeps me going full-blown Jack Reacher. 
which I, I joke about a lot of movies here. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I think about that, how that guy just lived on the road and didn't have ownership of cars. So you can still own cars, and you just need to do it properly if you want that privacy. Right, and the nice thing with, um, I, I mean, there, there's some there's some tricks to it. I mean, it's something that we do, you know, on a fixed fee basis with all the documents, especially in California. So we've done this many times over and over is to help somebody um, purchase a car. If they're purchasing a car, it's a little easier. If they're doing it with a car that they already own, with just, just a couple little extra steps to make sure you don't have to pay California sales tax. But it, it can be done. Um, if you're outside of California, people very commonly use LLCs, New Mexico LLCs. We've had it done many times over. State laws vary from place to place, so we warn people when they come to us with a state that uh, maybe is not friendly to uh, vehicles, maybe New Jersey, New York, to name two of them, uh, that are problematic with using an LLC. California is a definite no-no, so uh, then you just default to the sort of trust thing. But the next level is when uh, we have uh, clients that uh, purchase a house for cash, and um, and then we go the next step. None of the utilities, none, nothing, not the internet, not the garbage, not the water, the power. Everything is in the name of the trust with an independent trustee. Um, and this would be if you're a prison guard, if you're a judge, uh, if you've been, uh, you know, you have a stalker. Things like that. People, if there's people with resources who will go to any ends to find you, then you have to go to that next level, which is not just getting your name out of the deed record so that a, a contingency attorney can do a quick asset check and see if you've got a mansion somewhere tucked away. So, you know, that's really what you're doing there with the, getting your name off the real estate records is trying to prevent somebody from quickly valuing how big a, how deep your pockets are past your insurance policy. Um, but if you got to go get getting up there towards the Jack Reacher is basically you have an alternate identity. You receive all packages, all Internet purchases, magazines, everything is in the name of an alternate identity. Uh, your legal name and a few of your, you know, uh, let's say retirement plans or Social Security statements is very tightly controlled in one address. It's never used for anything else. Uh, your your name has never been on your property because you've bought it for cash. It's all been recorded in the name of a trust or an LLC. Uh, so you know you're you're sort of covered end to end. Wow, fascinating! I just, John, this has just been such a, a treat to to talk with you about this. Um, now I want to just get your. Uh, get your take on this and because I have many, many followers that listen to my show and have read my books that I, I constantly harp on the fact you need to set up your entities where you're doing business, be cautious of the Nevada, New Mexico, Wyoming strategy. Now that, in my opinion, John, and I'd love your take, is that that's, of course, if you're doing business. If you want that layer of asset protection, that's a, that's a, it's a different issue. Where in here, we're setting up entities for hiding where there's not really a business purpose but a privacy purpose. Would you agree that they're, they're really two different issues? Right. And what um, uh, J.J. Luna has a preferred uh, organizer in New Mexico because uh, that organizer, if you use those LLCs and you are not transacting business, you can use them in every state but California, and you are not subject to any foreign registration, any annual reports, nothing. If all you're doing is holding a bank account, holding a piece of property, opening a mailbox with a with a the name with a name using the name of the LLC just to create a an alternate identity um to receive packages, anything like that. So there's lots of uses for that. And we use an organizer with an address in Spain. So that it's it's basically there's not there's nothing in the public records and if somebody does you know try to go with the public records they're not going to get they're not going to get very far. Uh, okay. For business, it's a completely different thing. We send out information to businesses, and I, I always recommend that businesses seek uh, either, you know, my help in terms of the privacy because as soon as you mention privacy, I'm going to start talking about choice of entity, the location of the entity, uh, who else is involved in the business, where are the real liabilities, you know, are, are you in a high-risk business, or is it your personal creditors that are the, the risk? So uh, you know as well as an attorney and CPA that there is a, there is a boatload of issues that are specific to each 
client, and those have to really be sifted through to do business legitimately and privately. Yeah, and I, that's why I and I pointed this out at the beginning, John, that I was a huge huge advocate of JJ and his book in mine, where I was dispelling scams because JJ is talking about privacy, not asset protection. They're really two different things. Now, yes, being private is a form of asset protection, but once they find you, that's over. I mean, it's because they, once yeah, they find you or your so asset. Much, right, there, there's so much confusion. I mean, I, the, the first thing I do in an evaluation is to say there's a certain balance you have to pick between privacy and asset protection because some of the things that you do in privacy, if you mix those with asset production, protection, are evidence of intent to to fraudulent transfer and and mm. so uh you've got to be careful that your privacy strategy you know unfortunate circumstances hit you and you're standing in front of a bankruptcy judge you never thought you would be there uh or the bankruptcy trustee has enormous powers they it, they take one look at your privacy strategy and think this guy was trying to hide i'm going to take this i'm going to take everything this man or woman has because of that privacy strategy suggests to me that the person was trying to hide. So I, I find that the best asset protection attorneys in California are actually trying to make the asset protection plan very public so that, yes. so that yeah. anybody can see in the public record that you don't own those assets. And in privacy, you're trying to, you're trying to uh, prevent someone from taking you to court in the first place because when they, they look to see if you're a big fish, they don't find anything. Very great point. I, I love it. Now, I got a quick question here from one of our listeners via email and um, asked, John, what do you think about moving assets offshore? Do I need to move assets offshore to be uh, uh, to go to that next level? And they kind of go on and on here. But what, what are your thoughts about offshore in this overall picture? Do I have to? Well, I, I my rule of thumb, which is not based on anything scientific, but I generally say if you're if you want to move offshore, the first thing I think of is a foreign asset protection trust. That is a legitimate structure that the very wealthy use and can be an extremely formidable formidable barrier um, against frivolous lawsuits, uh, judgment creditors, uh, etc. Uh, but uh, you know, if it's less than seven hundred and fifty, if, if you have less than seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars net worth, uh, you know, it's pretty hard to that the, the fee to do it right. The fees, the filings, the everything. That that's a very sophisticated strategy. Now, if you yeah. want to just open a bank account, uh, I think JJ Luna is always looking for ways or suggesting that you know, if you can keep ten thousand dollars somewhere outside the country, and you need to make a quick exit because. Uh, uh, let's say uh, you're well. Let's take the case of the Boston bombing, where uh, one of the suspects looked like another kid, and you know they picked his face up off of Facebook, and suddenly this guy they thought this guy was the Boston bomber. It turned out the kid was dead, floating in the the, the river. But it created immense amount of pain and suffering for his family. So mistaken identity, and you need to you need to get out of town for a while till that all settles down. Uh, Hey, um, if you're a criminal and you're trying to cross the border to get to your money, you might, you know, have a little more trouble. But um, yeah, well, let's so, do this in our last two minutes. But I've got to cut you off here because I, I want to make sure you can yeah. give your contact information out. John, this is phenomenal. I know you specialize in this. I certainly don't. I know that many of my listeners may want to reach out to you. How do they get a hold of you? Well, first, I'd say uh, just in general with privacy, and uh, I would go to jjluna.com. And then for the more sophisticated things where you need help actually implementing um, privacy strategies, I'm at privacylawoffice.com. I, I recommend just Googling privacy law office, and that should take you to my website uh, for John Clark. I love it. John Clark joining us here, um, the personal attorney for J.J. Luna, the man no one can find, and not even the FBI. And I just <laughs> what a what an interesting life JJ must live. I I was just thrilled to be able to get a hold of you uh, through JJ. He did respond or someone on his behalf and said, "Hey, talk with John." So, folks, John Clark at privacylawoffice.com. And if you need to get a hold of him, uh, obviously contact me. John, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, great. Thank you, Mark. 
No, just phenomenal. I, I really appreciate your insights. We hope to have you back. Yeah, great. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you. Well, folks, just another, uh, gosh, I, for me, this is, again, I'm very selfish about the, sh- the uh, guests I have on my show because I wanted John on the show. And just amazing what I learned myself. So I hope uh, you two can spread the word. We're here every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, markjkohler.com. Please get in touch. Thanks for listening to another hour of refreshing strategies to better live your American dream. Don't forget to get your free copy of Mark and Matt's ebooks and sign up for their weekly free newsletter with important tax deadlines and articles at refreshyourwealth.com. 